Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command the stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I am your host, Julian Hayes II, and today we have another cool guest. I say this every time, but every guest is cool or they wouldn't be on here. So my guest today is Dr. Tracy Gappin. He is a board-certified urologist, a men's health expert, an author, and a professional speaker who utilizes and specializes in precision medicine. So without further ado, Dr. Gappin, how's it going? Hey, great, Julian. How are you tonight? Doing well, man. Doing well. We were just talking um, beforehand how ever since this pandemic started, it's getting harder and harder to shut off. Like there is no time to shut off now. So how has the uh, pandemic, um, what's been some of your biggest lessons from the pandemic so far? Yeah, great, great starting question. I like that. You know, what I think we've learned from this really is a, a couple of things. Number one, you know, the effect of stress. You know, we have the health concerns, the health crisis of COVID, obviously. We have the emotional stress and crisis of, you know, kids at home, homeschooling, uh, concerned about do I wear a mask, do I not wear a mask, where can I go, it's safe, and, you know, all the emotional aspects and the financial aspects of it as well. And that stress is exponentially more than I believe it's ever been before. You know, in general, you and I were talking uh, offline about how, uh, like you said, personal and, and work lives have become meshed together into one. And I think in general, what that's done is created more stress for our society where, where there's less focus on leisure time and, you know, um, uh, turning off and, um, you know, getting free from your phone and enjoying your friends, your family, nature. Um, and uh, stress has, has become more and more of a problem. I think with COVID, what we're seeing is that has become much, much worse. And what does that equate to? You know, there are physiologic effects with, you know, higher cortisol, and that has effect on, on insulin sensitivity and testosterone levels, and uh, it affects your sleep. It affects your decision-making when it comes to nutrition. It affects your uh, motivation to exercise. And it has this cascading effect on every aspect of your health and it all comes back to stress. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the, the most significant impacts that I'm seeing is the, the, the profound effect that stress has on our lives. Yeah. And so I totally agree on that. And before I go any further, um, I'm curious, your background, um, how'd you get into medicine? What inspired you? You know, some people, they know from, from their first career day. Yeah. In third grade, and they're like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then some people, it's a later call to action. So how'd you become a doctor? Yeah, funny you say that. Third grade, man. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> third grade, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, now, my mom was an RN, so I'm sure that, that had to have something to do with it. Um, but uh, in third grade, we had the, the diagram of the heart, like the anatomy of the heart, the four chambers of the heart on the ground. They, they made it out of tape on the ground. And, and 
we as students had to walk through the heart, like in the path of blood. And I remember walking through this, this heart thinking it was amazing how, how, what a miracle it is, how this heart works like that to keep us alive. And I, I became fascinated with just the, the anatomy, the, uh, the biology of it all. And um, I had this, this passion to help people as well. And that came together in third grade. And I, I for, for some reason that only God knows, I knew at that age that I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you also now branched off and specifically focus on men predominantly, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, what led to that? Great question. Um, I, I think that I can clearly trace this back to my childhood mm-hmm. and this makes me a little vulnerable, but I'm actually okay talking about it because I've talked about it so much now that it, it's become uh, it's public knowledge now, so I'm okay with it. You know, I had a troubled childhood. Uh, my my parents divorced when I was very young, and um, so I, I did not have a strong father figure um, growing up. And I recognize now, looking back, the profound impact that a father has on the family, on the children, on the um, you know the family unit. And I recognize now how important it is for the men that I take care of, not just for them, but for their children and their spouses, their partners, the entire family. And when that man can't be present, and I see men every day struggling with you know diseases like cancer and, and other issues like that, but also um, issues with metabolic health and with low testosterone and, and, and uh, even stress, you know, all these effects have a profound effect on, on men's ability to really connect with their family. And I am now very fortunate to have two amazing, beautiful little children. Uh, one's going to be five in two days, my little daughter. And my son is going to be seven in November. And to me, they're my everything. They're my why. They're everything mm-hmm. I do is, is for them. And I recognize how important I am to their lives. And I want to do everything I can for myself to be focused, present, engaged, and, and the most amazing dad, leader, husband, father that I can be. And I want the same for the men that I take care of as well. Yeah, I, I love that answer. Um, you know, y- you have meaning. And um, I was actually just talking today. This is kind of random with a friend. And I was thinking that we have extra time for all this introspection now. A lot of us are at home now. We're not traveling as much. And I said eventually that existentialism is going to start to become marketable. Um we're just talking about weird business ideas, but I think finding meaning and a lot of times I, it's just a theory. This is another Julian theory and listeners know I do this a lot is that I think a lot of our struggles, especially with men is sometimes when we're disconnected and we don't have a, a really strong why a really strong mission and purpose mm-hmm. for why we really need to take care of ourselves. So what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah I, I love that because that's really the foundation of, of male 2.0, you know, mm-hmm. the concept that I've created that, that, we as men need to take an entirely different approach to our health and our life. And by that, I mean, it's about being proactive, but it's more than that. It's actually about living with intention. And that's, that's one of the the pillars, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment is, you know, living with intention so that you have a why you have a purpose, you have a reason for being, it's not, to lose 10 pounds. It's not to be able to, to, uh, lift a certain weight. It's not fitting in a certain size pants. It's about feeling loved or it's about feeling self-worth or it's about being everything you can be for your children. There's, there's an emotional underpinning that is our meaning that is so important that we dive down deep and identify because that's really the basis, you know, the existentialism it, it is understanding who you are and w- what you stand for and what you're living for. And that's what it's all about. You know, your, your family, your wife, whoever can nag you to, to, to lose weight and exercise and do this and that. But if you don't have a purpose, it, it doesn't stick. Yeah, I totally agree. And kind of the shift. And now let's dive, you know, you mentioned Mel 2.0. That's the name of his book. It's a fantastic book. I'm looking at it right here. Um, Smack dab on the first page. I open this thing. I look at the table of contents. And the first thing I see this whopping stat. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, in patients, this is regarding COVID-19, in patients who required hospitalization, only 6% had no chronic health issues. 
whereas 88% of them had at least two, and only 2.1% of those who died were healthy with no such comorbidities. Wow. So, wow. Metabolic so, health. Metabolic health. Mm-hmm. And so let's explain to listeners um, yeah. what's metabolic health in, yeah, in so, a nutshell. So we're looking at um, your physiology from a perspective of uh, do you have healthy uh, glucose metabolism? Do you um, have uh, low visceral fat? Um, do you, are you physically fit? Are you, do you practice aerobic and, an, and, and anaerobic exercise, uh, you know, strength and, and, and endurance exercise? Um, are you eating the right foods or are you inflamed from uh, sugars and uh, omega-6 uh, fats and uh, eating uh, you know, simple refined uh, crap? Um, are you overstressed? Um, is your hormones out of balance, including not just testosterone, which is the most common you know, focus, but also your thyroid and uh, your uh, uh, cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone and other important steroid hormones? So metabolic health is really putting all of these pieces together um, and, and not just looking at any one part. Um, and this, this picture of metabolic health has clearly been found to correlate with outcomes of COVID-19. And we can directly impact our likelihood of surviving exposure simply by being proactive and living with intention. Yeah, you know, I, I often tell clients and just anyone when we're talking about health that a lot of times the reason why we want to eat healthy, get optimal amounts of sleep to train is to really build resiliency. So when you are, in, when you do encounter something foreign to the system, you're giving yourself the best chance of defeating it, of handling it. So that's what it's really all about. Um, going back to to chapter one now, um, let's let's talk about male 1.0. You know, we're we're becoming 2.0, but let's start with 1.0. And here's another another crazy stat here is that testosterone levels 30% drop mm-hmm. in 30 years, really? 30%? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then <laughs> 20 years, the entire male population can be sterile and impotent. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so so there are three powerful studies looking at this. There's a, a U.S. study here that was an incredible 15-year longitudinal study. 15 years. Oh my there was a similar study out of Sweden and another study out of Finland, and all three studies showed the exact same thing. They showed that we're seeing a decline in testosterone of about one percent a year. So over the last 30 years, we've seen about a 30% decline in total testosterone for, uh, so what I mean by that is for a 50-year-old man, a 50-year-old man today compared to a 50-year-old man 30 years ago is about 30% less. So, you know, we know as you age that you're going to lose some testosterone. We're not Mm -hmm. talking about even that. We're talking about same age men 30 years later, 30% lower testosterone. And the free testosterone, which is the bioavailable, it's the active form of testosterone in our body, that's as low as... 45% 45% lower than it was 30 years ago. So a dramatic decline. What's also interesting is the fact that we've seen studies, especially a powerful one out of Israel, where men's fertility has plummeted almost to the identical degree, about 30% over the last 30 years. Oh, man. And the reason for that is because I believe, and I think this is pretty obvious, is that we're dealing with effect on testicular tissue, effect on testicular androgen and uh, sperm function. And we can talk about why, but I think it's really an attack on our testicles. And I, I like to joke, you know, our balls are under attack. Excuse my language, but yeah. they are. It's, it's true. Mm-hmm. We are truly under attack and we're letting it happen because men don't even realize that, it, that this is happening right underneath our nose. Wow. that's, And this is not just to my understanding, this is not just men who are not in it, who are just don't take care of themselves. This is even athletes. So you can say a guy my age, 34, they might not have the testosterone that that is typical for a 34 year old right now. I I see men in their twenties and thirties on a regular daily basis in my medical practice who come in with uh, a hypogonadism Mm -hmm. and they're, they're healthy. They're not obese. They seem to, to eat fairly well. They take care of themselves as far as they can, they think they can tell. And so, you know, 
part of this can certainly be blamed on the Western American diet um, and obesity to some extent, but a lot of it goes much further. And, and that's where we can dive into, you know, the chemicals and toxins in our environment that we call endocrine disruptors that I think are a big part of it. Yeah, let's do that. And that's, I think, yeah. to my understanding, this is part of the male 2.0 model, right? It is. Yeah. So, so the, the male method is a, uh, really a framework for how I help men get optimized. And, and over the last 20 years of practicing men's health, I, I've kind of uh, come up with this process and I, I finally coined the term male method because I think it really kind of drives home the, the, the concept of a, of a systems-based approach, which means we're looking at all parts of the human system and how they all interact in this complex network. And so uh, M is mindset, A is uh, aging, L is lifestyle and E is environment. And so the E of environment, you know, one of the big parts of that is what we were just discussing. The endocrine disruptors are, are chemicals in our environment that are clearly crushing our hormones. And uh, that seems to be one of the most uh, significant uh, factors that, that, that we can point to causing a, a drop in testosterone. So the things in the environment is we're talking about yeah. plastics here. We're talking about um, like different sprays that did you so, can buy stores. Yeah. So, so we're talking about things like atrazine. Atrazine is a, an herbicide. It's a, a chemical spray on our crops here in the U S it's actually banned in Europe, but for some reason the FDA thinks it's okay to keep using it here <laughs> in the U S thanks FDA. And atrazine is used uh, to kill weeds on our crops. So mm -hmm. wheat, wheat and corn, specifically in the mid Midwest, are, are covered in atrazine. And it's gotten into our drinking water. And it's at very high levels in our drinking water. And at very tiny levels in our drinking water, it castrates frogs. It turns male frogs into female frogs that can actually lay eggs and reproduce. Like oh. that's the effect it has on our hormones. And the levels we see in our drinking water is exponentially higher than that study in the frogs. Um, so we know it's in our crops, it's in our wheat, our corn, it's in our drinking water, it's everywhere. So that's atrazine. Um, there's uh, uh, phytoestrogens, which are the, the processed, fake, uh, GMO poisoned uh, soy products in our environment, or mm -hmm. in our foods, excuse me. Um, we have the, the phthalates and BPA or bisphenol A that is in our plastics, like plastic water bottles and K-cups and plastic food containers and, and the lining of cans and milk cartons. Um, we have chemicals in our um, personal care products like soap and shampoo and deodorant and uh, cologne, anything, anything scented, anything with a perfume uh, is loaded with phthalates. And... Uh, many studies show that these chemicals are having a significant effect on our hormones. And most of them, for some reason, the FDA, FDA just turns a blind eye. It's frustrating. And there are plenty of alternatives out there. Maybe it's harder to find, but there are alternatives yeah, absolutely. For, all, for all of these. Yeah, it, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, from, from a, a nutrition and food standpoint, uh, eating organic is really a key. Um, focus on, on uh, fresh organic fruits and vegetables. Make sure if you're eating meat, it's grass-fed. Mm -hmm. uh, organic. Uh, if you're drinking milk, I would really emphasize a nut milk rather than cow's milk. Um, I would stay away from K-cups uh, because the heated plastic definitely leaches into the, the coffee. Um, I would avoid any plastic containers for your food, especially if it's ever going to get hot. Um, and then when it comes to the, the things like the deodorant and the soap and the shampoo and the, the laundry detergent and sunscreen, uh, there are great apps on your phone that you can even scan the barcode of these products and they'll tell you the ingredients. And so you can be very careful and, and choose products that you know are going to be clean and uh, free of, of these, these toxins. So you mentioned soy earlier. Um, I looked at one of those impossible, a lot of those impossible meats and it's like a laundry list mm -hmm. of ingredients, like literally a laundry list. I thought I was back in, thought I was back in school again. Because it sounded like a science experiment. Um, that soy is different, correct? Just for listeners, just to um, kind of get a difference. Because sometimes we hear soy and we think all soy is bad. Yeah. So, so great question. I get this a lot, and especially the um, uh, you know, my sister is a, a plant based vegetarian. Mm -hmm. so she was crazy whenever I, I, I hit on soy. The problem <laughs> is, if you're over in Asia and you're mm -hmm. getting true, clean, pure, you know, organic, if you will, soy. That's one thing. That soy is okay. That's probably okay. 
What we see here in the U.S. almost exclusively has been processed and refined and looks nothing like the original soy product that it originated from. And so that's the problem. So here in the U.S., it's clear that the phytoestrogens that we have here in the U.S. are nothing like the true soy um, that it originated as. Okay. And then you add on the GMO on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so – so that's that's a big portion of the environmental component of the male 2.0. Right. Let's go with um let's go with aging. Um, that's yeah. a, that's a, I'm curious on that one. Let's that's um, the fun part. Yeah, that's, that for me that's the fun part. That's that's where I look at the etiologies of aging. And here we look at things like um, hormones. Mm-hmm. You know, so testosterone and thyroid and cortisol and all the the, the key hormones fall into this category. Uh, we know that that uh, decline in hormone function is definitely associated with aging. Uh, a few studies have suggested that hormone deficiency causes aging, which I think is a very compelling uh, concept that that we have it backwards. That you know, people say aging causes hormone decline, but perhaps it's the other way around. Uh, but definitely, there's an association there. Um, here, I also look at uh, things like um, senescence. You know, we have cells in our body. It's called uh, senescence, where cells become uh, toxic and they don't die like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, a process called apoptosis, where cells in our body are supposed to die, programmed death at a certain time. Some cells don't die. Instead, they become toxic and they hang around. And, and I call these your in-laws because they hang around and never leave, and uh, and they wreak havoc. And I, I joke, um, but they secrete uh, cytokines and um, inflammatory enzymes that crush stem cells and crush healthy cells nearby. And we know that, that one of the key aspects of aging is senescent cells. So things that we can do to get rid of senescent cells, um, you know, optimizing NAD. NAD is, is a molecule that uh, when I was in medical school, we thought it was just another molecule, not a big deal. Now we understand that your NAD levels may actually be the secret to longevity. And so how do we optimize NAD levels? Because we need NAD for our, our redox pathways and our detox system and our, our antioxidant system. And so it's important to have good NAD levels. Um, we know that, that um, proteostasis and mitochondrial function and DNA damage and, and all these other hallmarks of aging are really critical if we're going to, to optimize our health and, and promote longevity. And so the A of aging is the kind of, I like, uh, to me, it's the most fun part of it because I get to really focus on these, these you know, kind of deep scientific uh, concepts of, of how do we uh, not just slow or stop aging, but potentially even reverse it. Now, when we're going over this, things like NAD, they diminish as we age. Yeah. Is there like a recommended age that you think you should start, um, that you should start maybe looking to supplementing with it or that's a great question. We don't really know the answer to that yet. Uh, you know, we're still we're still studying it. We know that um, in in uh, uh, animal studies that that optimizing NAD appears to extend longevity. Uh, human studies are still underway, and, and you know, it, it, it's it's tough to study it in humans. But but from what we can see in um, in other studies, there's definitely an effect. But what age do we start at? I, I would say uh, maybe when you start eating solid foods, mm-hmm. at two or so, one and a half. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what the age is, but you know, there's a lot of uh, discussion and debate on on you know how much NAD do we need? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it oral? Is it uh, sublingual? Is it patches? You know, topical patches. And I think that's really an exciting area of medicine and longevity that we're, we're still studying and learning about. And, and, you know, every week another study is coming out on this and, uh, you know, we'll see what the future holds. Yeah. That's the exciting thing about this is that, you know, yeah. we're just at the very beginning of yeah, all of this. Exactly. Cause, uh, cause exactly. that reminds me of uh, what's the, um, it's rejuvenate. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so that's another one where the ingredients in that, the main one is something that I think starts to decline at 40, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Am I off on that? Yeah, I think it has alpha ketoglutarate in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing the developments that we're having on, on an almost weekly basis now. Um, looking at, uh, you know, the ketone esters and um, ketone salts and NAD mal- boosters like NMN and NR and 
I, I think we're going to continue to learn a lot more. And I think the discussion we're having today is going to be very different than the one in, in a year from now because uh, things are changing so rapidly. Definitely so. That'll be part two. Um, <laughs> and uh, so now that we're, 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 we're so let's stick with hormones for a little bit. And a big part of that is epigenetics. And so um, with testosterone, because um, mm-hmm. is there a difference? Some men are maybe prone to maybe have lower lower amounts of free testosterone than other men. Is that a, sure. Does that play a big part? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so when it comes to epigenetics, you know, we're, we have no question that the environment is affecting our testicular function. The question is, and, and there's not necessarily just one answer here. This is a multiple choice with, with probably multiple answers. Does it affect testosterone production? Does it affect uh, sex hormone binding globulin function? Does it affect sex hormone binding globulin production? Or does it affect the androgen receptor? Meaning, you know, you make good levels of testosterone, but does it adequately bind to the receptor and, and cause the intended effect? And I, I think that a lot of the uh, epigenetics out there uh, is um, – uh, is based on association. You know, there's not a lot of causal. There's not a lot of direct, co- um, you know, uh, cause and effect that we can see clearly mm-hmm. yet. There's there's a lot there to be learned still. Um, I think it comes back to, you know, uh, what we call again a, a, a systems based approach, looking at it as everything is is interconnected, and the 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 genetics related to cortisol, for example. I think has just as much an effect on testosterone as the, the issues I, I just described, because what does cortisol do? Cortisol, our stress hormone crushes testosterone. And so, you know, we can look at all the other aspects of, of our health and how all those can have a direct impact on testosterone production levels and function as well. Yeah. You mentioned a word that I use a lot. Um, and listeners probably know this because I say this at nauseam is systems-based approach, systems yes. thinking. Yes. And a lot of times when we hear about what makes a man, a man is testosterone. While that is true, a lot of times that's not the only, that's not the only hormone that matters mm-hmm. in terms of our declining health. So when we're thinking about a male 2.0, what are some other hormones that listeners in particular males should kind of be on the lookout for if they're looking at their lab reports? Yeah. So, you know, the thing with testosterone is the total number doesn't really matter too much. It's the free testosterone. Um, and, uh, for the listeners, I'm not sure if you've gone through this in the past. Um, but you know, sexual hormone binding globulin is a protein in the blood that will bind to testosterone and it renders it ineffective because it cannot, it can now not enter, uh, bind to the androgen receptor and enter the nucleus and, and cause it, its effect on genetic expression. So, Free testosterone is the soldiers with guns, if you will. I stole that from Dan Stickler. Thanks, Dan. Um, <laughs> whereas, uh, uh, you know, total testosterone is your entire army. So the, the free testosterone are only the soldiers with guns who can actually have an, a, a, an effect. So when men are looking at their labs, specifically their hormones and testosterone, focus on the free because that's, that's the only testosterone that matters. Uh, I heard a funny commercial for these nonsense testosterone boosters the other day. And the commercial said, we don't just raise, we don't raise free testosterone. We raise total testosterone. And it it was kind of a joke because if any listener at all knew anything about this, then they would understand that that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. But (laughs) they're just marketing is marketing people who don't understand anything about it. It's very convincing. Yeah. Right. Well, I got to buy that. Yeah. Frank Thomas knows what he's talking about. So, um, so anyway, so, so looking at free testosterone is critical. I would also emphasize that, you know, the, the lab range, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, the, the entire population being, um, being impotent and um, infertile in, in 10 years or 20 years. That range is, this is a really important concept for men to understand or everyone to understand is that range. When you get your lab values back, it'll say total testosterone, let's say 250 to uh, 900, let's just say, is that normal mm-hmm. range, quote unquote, reference range, if you will. That reference range is nothing more than the median, the median of the population plus two standard deviations on either side. And that's, that's the range. If you were to look at that reference range 
years ago, it was higher. When I was in medical school, it was like 400 to 1100 or 400 to 1200. I forgot exactly what the numbers were, but that range is simply just the, the standard deviation from the, me, from the median. And so we know from studies that our testosterone levels are plummeting. And so that reference range will continue to go lower and lower and lower, justifying that, hey, your crappy testosterone levels are okay only because you just fall in the meet in the within two standard deviations of the median of the population. So the key is that reference range is nothing more than two standard deviations on either side away from the median. It has nothing to do with what's physiologically optimal or needed for a man. So most men, you need testosterone 800, 900, 1000, if not more. Some men need 1200, 1500 to really feel the benefits. And that's okay. But this nonsense that a testosterone level of 251 is normal, but a testosterone of 249 is not normal is absurd. Mm. It's truly absurd. And that's based on people looking at this quote reference range and saying, well, if you're in that reference range and you're quote normal and that cannot be further from the truth. Wow. That almost sounds like that's very on point with 2020 now in today's world. <laughs> it's, it almost sounds like that's the medical equivalent of the participation trophy of like getting oh. trophies, getting trophies for coming in seventh place. Mm. I like that. <laughs> I may have to use that. Definitely. Definitely yeah. use it. Yeah. yeah for, that's that, for showing up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's just what it sounds like. Like it's yeah. almost justifying average. And yeah. Wow. It's justifying average. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I'll give you an example of how this, has a dramatic effect on uh, men's health. What I just described, I'll see men in my office who have significant symptoms of low testosterone and they have a, a man has a testosterone level of 251. I go through the risks and benefits and options for testosterone therapy. And the man decides to start testosterone therapy. I give him a prescription. He goes to his pharmacy his pharmacy submits it through his insurance and his insurance declines it because his testosterone is quote normal. Oh, this is what's wrong with medicine. Mm -hmm. This is what's wrong with our, our disease care system. It's not healthcare. It's disease care is the fact that we have that kind of nonsense where that man does not deserve to feel good. He does not deserve to have these, the benefits of testosterone therapy, of hormone therapy, because his numbers are quote normal. Same thing for, for thyroid. You know, we know that, that T3 is the active form of thyroid hormone. And most doctors will just look at TSH. If TSH is normal, oh, oh, if it's in the normal range, oh, you're fine. Well, I see a lot of men with a free T3 that may be in the quote normal range. It may be 3.2, let's just say, and they have significant symptoms of hypothyroidism clinically they would benefit from optimization of the thyroid hormone but again insurance won't cover that because their labs are normal and so there's a there's a key distinction that anyone who looks at their own lab values need to understand the key distinction between uh within the reference range mm -hmm. and optimal and those are often very far between wow Wow. So it's not just, so not only do you have to find a doctor who's forward thinking, but you also have to find, I guess now some kind of ways to get around the pharmacy or do you have to go to a certain pharmacy or? So, like? yeah. So what you end up doing in a lot of these situations is you just have to simply, uh, you know, use a compounding pharmacy or mm -hmm. use some pharmacy that basically you're just not relying on the patient's insurance. You know, medical insurance uh, uh, is not there to help you in these situations. That's the problem. Yeah. So, wow. You had to go outside the system a little bit. Exactly right. Yeah. Wow, man. Mm, that's tough. Let's, um, so that's more like, you know, let's, what are some, let's go to the lifestyle component now and look into some things that we can do every day to start becoming more of a male 2.0. Yeah. So where do you like to start when it comes to lifestyle? Yeah. So lifestyle, I, I really focus here on uh, nutrition, sleep, 
and fitness. Those are the, the main aspects of, of lifestyle here. Um, uh, to, to clarify stress, I have it categorized under the M for mindset category. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not leaving it out for those of you playing along at home. Um, so nutrition, fitness, and sleep. And when we look at nutrition, we could talk about what to eat and when to eat. And um, in terms of what to eat, I think the key thing is to focus on real food. And by that, I mean it should not be in a package, should not be in a plastic package that has multiple ingredients. If it does have multiple ingredients, you need to understand what each and every one of those are. Um, And um, if you're eating uh, uh, meats, it needs to be organic and grass-fed. Um, it needs to be wild, you know, salmon, especially not the, not the farm raised, but the wild salmon. Um, you need to be eating organic fruits and vegetables. I can't emphasize enough how important that is. I know it's more expensive, but it's definitely worth it to be free of the chemicals and pesticides. And, um, um, you know, um, what am I, am I trying to think of the, um, the products that are using to grow these, uh, vegetables now. Uh, GMO, I was blanking on, you know, G- GMO modified um, um, foods. We don't know the health effects of those. So focus on clean, real food. Um, you know, people talk about eating more vegetables and plant-based diet. And, and I think in general, we need to be, you know, focusing on uh, definitely eating more plants and, and, and vegetables. Um, but I'm not opposed to eating meats. I would say if you are eating red meat, I would, I would moderate it, you know, uh, I think focusing on uh, lean meats, chicken, uh, fish is fantastic. Um, olive oil is uh, wonderful. You cannot eat too much olive oil. Um, healthy fats like um, olive oil and avocado and salmon and walnuts and macadamia nuts and almonds, you know, these in general are wonderful. I will say beyond that, I like to really emphasize that genetics are important. And I know you talk about this a ton, so I, I don't want to. Mm-hmm don't want to, you know, uh, copy what you've already talked about, but oh, it's good to hear from you though. You know, yeah. they can, they can okay. never hear it. They can never, people can never hear it too much. Sure. You know, your genetics have a huge impact on, on what's right for your body. And from a, a nutrition standpoint, I think it's the most impactful area of health when it comes to genetics in terms of, uh, you know, first of all, macronutrients, you know, for some people, they do better with higher complex carb intake, which is counterintuitive to most people. Whereas for other people, uh, they want low complex carb intake. For some people, uh, saturated fat, which is the fat found in uh, red meat and uh, dairy, you know, cheese, milk, pork, eggs, uh, beef, steak. Um, for some people, saturated fat can be very harmful and it can dramatically increase risk of Alzheimer's disease and cardiovascular disease and early mortality. Whereas others, it's not nearly as significant. For some people, protein intake should actually be moderated. You know, some people try to eat as much protein as they can, thinking that's the secret to building muscle. And, and for, for some, that's actually harmful. So from a nutrition standpoint, genetics is really valuable to know what is right for your unique body. And, and, and that's unique for everybody. Um, in terms of when to eat, I'm a huge advocate for time-restricted feeding, otherwise known as intermittent fasting. And uh, this simply means that you eat within a small window of the day. And uh, the, the basic way to start doing intermittent fasting is to simply not eat for a 16 to 18 hour time period. And you eat within a six to eight hour window. Um, you can gradually over time expand this to fast for 18 to 22 to 24 hours at a time. Um, but for beginners, people who've never done it before, I would typically say do 16 hour fasting three days a week to start and just kind of get going with that. And then you can gradually expand from there. Um, I like to every week or two, I will do a 24 hour fast. Um, otherwise I do intermittent fasting, an 18 hour fast five days a week. Um, and what that looks like is, um, I will, uh, eat my first meal at about noon or so, and then I will come home from work and eat dinner about six o'clock. And then after six, I don't eat again. I'll, I'll drink water. I'll have hot tea, um, no sweetener and, uh, go to bed, wake up in the morning and I'll have a uh, hot tea or coffee, no sweetener. And, um, and then I go about my morning. 
And then about noon is when I will eat. And, and it sounds perhaps to some people like torture, but once you do it a couple of times, it's really not too bad. And it actually gives you more energy and it's been shown to have profound effects on autophagy, which is clearing, you know, dead cells, clearing away the trash, so to speak in your, in your cells, uh, helps improve energy, metabolism, insulin sensitivity, glucose regulation, helps you burn fat, uh, helps you sleep better, um, has tons of benefits with cortisol and other hormones as well. So, um, I love intermittent fasting and, um, uh, I, I think everyone should incorporate that in their day. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that 16 to 8 or 18 to 6, that's the perfect lifestyle. That's the perfect lifestyle diet. That's what yes. I that's that's my default. Mm-hmm. If I but if I'm in a serious training phase, I have to like expand it a little bit just because of um it's way too much food. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I have to eat too much, yeah, cuz yeah, cuz I have to eat a little over 3,000. So, it's um yeah. Yeah, so it's a little tough, but I think f- especially for weight loss, I that is the perfect thing for weight loss. Yeah. It's that's the perfect thing. Cause you it, give your, you give yourself, yeah, yeah. Cause you give yourself constraints. And a lot of times that's, what's really hard in this world now is that we life's so convenient. We have so many choices around us. Mm-hmm. And so you, you got to give yourself constraints. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you're exactly right. And, and you know, it definitely has an effect on caloric intake, but I think it goes well beyond that from a mm-hmm. metabolic standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a little about your lifestyle real quick as we wrap this up. Yeah. What's, um, what's your typical training and, and nutritional life like? Yeah. So I, I do intermittent fasting on a daily basis. Um, my first meal of the day is typically a protein shake. Um, I eat a ton of blueberries. I love blueberries. Yes, um, me I, too. Eat, yes. <laughs> um, I love salmon. I love olive oil. Um, I eat salads with grilled chicken. Um, I have, um, eggs sparingly, um, I'll have red meat probably once a week, uh, or so sometimes I'll, I'll go a couple weeks with no red meat. Um, if I do, it's always going to be lean. Uh, you know, I don't go for the, um, um, you know, the fatty cuts. If I do have meat, it'll typically be filet. Um, and, um, I, I tend to eat a lot of vegetables. Um, I, uh, like to season it. I like to make it taste good. Um, so it's not torture. You're better than me. I, I'm, I'm just a robot. I don't ever recommend anyone eat like me because <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't season that much. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm big on, you know, there's no diet. There's no dieting. Yeah. You need to eat foods that you enjoy and make them taste good. And, and, um, you know, I, I used to eat so much sugar in my early days and, um, I, now I eat very, very little sugar. Um, I, I don't eat any of the candies that my kids eat. <laughs> I try to keep them from eating it as well, but it's tough to, to stop kids from eating candy. Um, but, um, you know, I don't eat any of the, the packaged processed foods. Um, I, I like nuts. I like, you know, macadamia nuts are great for you. Um, you know, this brings up a, a key point on, on, on diet, and that is the omega-6 polyunsaturated fats are, are probably the biggest evil in our, um, in our society next to sugar and omega-6 fatty acids are the canola oil the corn oil the safflower oil sunflower oil all those uh, plant-based oils um you know when you look at any package any like packaged chips or, or or any kind of packaged processed foods you'll see it in there partially hydrogenated corn oil is the classic one um, but then even like um, I was getting macadamia nuts at the store the other day and they're cooking these macadamia nuts with sunflower oil. I'm like, oh. what? The, like I'm specifically, and so dry roasted, I found dry roasted will not have those oils. So if you're going to get nuts, you know, almonds are great nuts as well. And a lot of people like, you know, salted almonds, which I think salt's actually okay in moderation. Um, but look at the packaging this is why I always emphasize, look at the freaking ingredients and you'll see so many of them will have added omega six fatty acids, which are, are unnecessary and they're killing you. So, so back to what I eat, I really try to limit sugar and really try to limit the omega sixes, um, exercise. I train five days a week. Um, I do one day of, of nothing but cardio and then the other four days are strict uh, strength training and interval training. Um, I have two different trainers that I, I see actually I alternate. Um, and I do that because for me, I'm 
so busy. I've become somewhat of a workaholic maybe um, in, in this whole field. I've become so passionate about it that um, I would keep working. And so that commitment, that accountability for me is what makes it work for me. So for some people, they train on their own and, and that's fantastic. If you have the motivation and, and, and can, can create that time in your day. For me, I know in those days, you know, tomorrow morning, 645 tomorrow morning, I'm training and uh, I got to be there. Or I'm going to look like an ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so I train five days a week sleep. I'm, I'm vigilant on a very, very rigid sleep schedule. And so I will go to bed at 1030 every single night. Okay. Ten, it's, you know, one of the key aspects of, of health is sleep. And I'm sorry, we didn't get to that on the lifestyle section. I somehow got so focused on nutrition, but, um, one of the key aspects of sleep is creating a, 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 a consistent circadian rhythm. And that starts mm-hmm. with going to bed and waking up at the same time every day. And that's seven days a week. You don't change it for the weekend. And so I, 1030, whatever I'm doing, turn it off. It's time to go to bed. And um, I, uh, I consider the bed good for two things only. Mm-hmm. One of them is sleep. And that's it. There's nothing else done in that bed except those two things. Uh, people like to watch TV or, you know, get on their computer or whatever, but uh, emphasize that I like to emphasize that the bed is good for just those two things. So that's my day. I tell you what, I, I carve out, you know, the other part of it is I'm very, very intentional about time with my kids. And I have a, a three hour block of time from when I get home until they go to bed that, uh, and that's why our, our, uh, interview tonight was so late because I had to keep my three hour commitment to them mm-hmm. um, to spend time with them. And, and that's what it's all about. So um, I'm, uh, you know, it, again, it's, it's, it's being intentional with your day. It's being laser focused on your why and, and living up to it. So that's my lifestyle. It's um, it's commitment to what's important. It's good nutrition. It's uh, exercising on a regular basis. It's getting good sleep. Um, I take a ton of supplements, which we could talk about. Um, and I, um, I do mindset work with, um, I have a, the headspace app that I really love for mm-hmm. meditation. Sometimes I'll do it on my own with nothing, but I like to use that just as kind of a guided tool. Um, there are a couple of tools on, on my phone that I've been using as well that, that are good for meditation. Um, but very helpful for stress mitigation and stress resilience, as you've talked about. Um, and it's putting all these pieces together. You know, it's yeah. not any one thing that's going to get, get to where you want to be. Yeah. Now, like you, you know, you mentioned all those things you're doing. You also, um, you got to mention that, you know, you are, you're redefining men's health. You know, you're playing a big part in that. So, um, listeners are going to, they're going to see you a lot more in, I appreciate in the future. It. So, um, I appreciate I'm looking forward that. to that, but, um, yeah, let's quickly touch on supplements. I'm just, I'm always curious. What do you, sure. what do you, what's, what's your stack like? Yeah. So I, I take a lot. Um, I take a, a good multivitamin. Um, I take vitamin D. I take DHEA, I take DHA fish oil, um, I take uh, 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 some peptides. I take BPC one fifty seven on a daily basis. Which That's a good one. I, I, I can I can fantastic. I can I can I can be a testimony a testimony yeah. to that one. Now I did yeah. a two month a two month cycle. Helped my gut. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, and I like the oral. You know, you could do injectable or oral mm-hmm. for that. I do oral. Um, I do injectable thymus and alpha. Um, it's another amazing peptide for immune function. Um, you know, I had COVID back in, in March and I believe that, that by taking thymus and alpha immediately that it probably contributed to my, my, uh, recovery. Um, mm-hmm. um I also do, an, and that's a, a morning injectable peptide. Um, I do an evening peptide. I do CJC, Ipamorlin, uh, growth hormone secreted gog peptide at, at bedtime, uh, which I love as well. I will occasionally cycle that with Tessa Morlin. Um, I've done a mod SC peptide injections. Uh, I'll cycle that occasionally as well as a pitalon, which is another great uh, longevity peptide. Um, uh, what else I take, um, NMN, which is my, my NAD booster of choice. And I think that that's, uh, that's something that I'm probably going to switch over to, uh, there's a sublingual and a patch that I'm probably mm-hmm. going to switch over to those instead of using the NMN oral. Um, cause I think there's definitely, um, uh, there's probably a benefit there. I think, um, uh, I think there's definitely debate on the, on the topic, but I think there's probably a benefit to those instead of the NMN oral. Um, what else do I take? Um, I take, um, a methyl B12 and uh, folate that's based on my genetics. 
Um, I take, um, what else? I'm sure there's more that I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, I got to get into the peptides. I got to get into the peptides. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds, that just sounds awesome. I'm over here salivating like, man, this sounds awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm curious about, um, BPC 157 every day, the oral. Is there, um, I would, I would cycle it. Yeah. I, cycle it? Do it con- I don't think you need to do it continuously. Yeah. yeah. I would do four, you know, two to four weeks at a time and mm-hmm. then, uh, and stop it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you have to. And you could do just one a day or, or uh, twice a day, morning and night. Yeah. Yeah. I think – I'm trying to think what I did. I think I did one a day for two months. Okay. And that worked because it yeah. wasn't too major of an issue. Gotcha. But, it, but it was enough gotcha. of a disturbance. So, yeah, yeah that's it's, – it's, it was like magic. So, yeah. I'm a believer in the peptides. So, I, I'm definitely yeah. looking to try some of the performance ones. I'll probably for maybe sure. toward the end of the year. So Nice. Yeah, I, I also take metformin. You know, another mm-hmm. it's a it's a prescription medication, but metformin's been around forever, and it's probably one of the most studied drugs on the planet. And there's definitely some some data on on longevity benefits of metformin. You know, in terms of of helping with glucose regulation, and and um, and so I do take metformin. I don't take it within 12 hours of a, of a workout, though. That's yeah. the one thing that there's been discussion about that. So. You read my mind. I was getting ready to ask. Yeah. I was getting ready to yeah. ask that question. So, like, yeah, yeah, he already he already knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, we're going to quickly wrap this up. Let's do some rapid fire questions. So, yeah. what are two to three books that have had a major impact on your life? Um, oh, great question. Gosh, um, how to win friends and influence people. Okay, uh, and that's the, that's one of the questions I always ask. Actually, I love that um, that question. <laughs> um, it starts with why. Okay. Give me just a second. I'm actually going to pull up my my book list. All right. I love when people take this question so seriously. They start looking at their book list. Yeah. I, Think and Grow Rich. The first book that comes up there, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've read that. Um, that was a great one. Um, the Oxygen Advantage was a great book I've read recently that I've given to a ton of people uh, that focuses on breathing properly, breathing through your nose and not over breathing, mm-hmm. uh, which is an amazing concept. Um, Estrogeneration uh, by Anthony J. He talks a lot of endocrine disruptors in that book. That was fantastic as well. Yeah, start start with why. You know, Simon Sinek book. Um, yeah, I, I read so much health stuff now, medical health stuff that I should broaden my horizon and read more uh, completely unrelated stuff like Deepak Chopra. I read, um, uh, last year and he was fantastic. And it was so different that it was really stimulating for me, but I'm so focused on men's health that everything I read is in that niche. So I, I need to broaden myself for sure. It's hard to do because, yeah. um, you feel like you're going to get left behind cause it's like drinking from a fire hose because there's literally new information coming out on a daily basis. There's new books every single week. Yeah, and so you want to and you want to stay on top of the information. So I totally get that. Yeah, um, for sure. It, it's a it, it, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant. I tell you mm-hmm. what, and and every minute that I could be looking at um, you know articles on uh, news articles or uh, you know NFL stuff, I think I could be learning more about NAD. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, yeah. If someone wants an invention out there, if there if there's a way that you can get me to process information like five to ten times faster priceless i don't know how you could do that but it sounds good <laughs> i know right and yeah the, the limitless pill yeah that's what yeah. i really want that but okay yeah. so the next question here is um yeah. who's your musical starting five this can be groups or it can be solo artists and they can be dead or alive holy crap musical starting five mm-hmm. um are you a music person or more of a movie person i, I am i love music but okay God, i think of my uh, James Taylor. Okay. That's the first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of, of musicians that I've loved music. I loved along the way. Um, wow. Billy Joel way back when I love Billy Joel. Um, Bob Seger was amazing. Um, God, I think the first concert I ever went to was Michael Jackson, but he's not my top five. I'm just saying he, I, I'm thinking back to my musical days. Um, Chicago guy went out back when I was a kid. Um, the Eagles. I, lo- I like the Eagles. Um, yeah. I'm thinking back to old school kind of stuff, huh? I like, um, I can't tell you why I'm thinking of that song in the Eagles. 
Um, gosh, I'm thinking. I, I think I think one of the Matchbox Twenty was one way back when that I listened to like ad nauseum. I, I kind of got sick of them because I listened to them for so so long. Um, OAR actually would be a great one. Okay. Um, and then there's probably one more I'm, I'm thinking of. I can't think. Oh, the script. I've never heard uh, of them. I'll have to. I'll 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 check that yeah, out. Yeah, that, that's that's my kind of music. That's probably different from most of your listeners, but um, it's kind of diverse. But, um, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because I find that I am so deep into what I'm doing right now, Julian, that I'm listening to podcasts or I'm reading books on this topic or I am doing podcasts on this topic, you know, interviews (laughs) myself or I'm reading articles or or reading, you know, research. And I used to love music and and you really point out to me, this is actually kind of eye-opening for me that. I love music and it has such a profound, such a powerful effect on me, on my emotions. And I don't listen to music much anymore. I work, I work with music on and, um, lyrics sometimes helps me write and just create. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I love music. And like you mentioned, it's a powerful emotional uh, yeah. booster. So, um, so yeah, cause I have different, I have different soundtracks for different emotions. You know, I have my weightlifting soundtrack. I have my running Very soundtrack. Cool. Yeah. yeah so. So Very cool. Very so cool. The next question here is: um, you got a bottle of wine, uh, red wine. I guess it's organic. <laughs> um, it's um, you got three seats available that can join you for a roundtable discussion. Who would who would the three people be for a roundtable discussion from any point in history, and they can be dead or alive, and it has to exclude family. Wow, very cool question, man! I, I ask questions on my podcast. They're they're not they're not this deep. I love this. I'm gonna, I'm, just, I'm gonna just steal this stuff from you. Um, I was always fascinated with Kennedy. Okay, Kennedy. Just I don't know why I was fascinated with that. You know, that point in time, I grew up in Dallas, and so I did the whole Kennedy. You know, the, the exhibit and everything, the assassination stuff. I was fascinated with. So uh, Kennedy would probably be one. Um, I mean, I, you know, my first thought was guys like Einstein, but those guys are going to be too smart for me. I'm not even, I can't even have a conversation with those guys. But you can be a sponge. That's kind of like my secret to life. So yeah, it's kind of my secret to life is like, I surround myself by people who are very cultured or or very smart. And then I, I, then I try to soak up a little of their knowledge and then I appear that way. Yeah. I mean, guys like Thomas Edison, Einstein, um, Isaac Asimov, all these brilliant guys before our time. Um, how they were just pioneers and, and, you know, Henry Ford, I mean, to, to be able to, to invent something like that to me Mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, um, what's his name? The, um, oh gosh, um, the rocket ship. I'm blanking on his name that, uh, he has the, um, he just, he just sent a man to space station and back Elon Musk. That would probably be be the my uh, contemporary that I would I would be most interested in because okay. he's a brilliant mind. Yeah, yeah. I always love this question because it gives insights into the personality. Yeah, you know, so you, you value pioneers, and you're kind of a pioneer I with do. health and the way you approach it. Yeah. So it, it's very congruent. So I this is a, yeah, this is like a pseudo, like what's your personality question That's without right, asking yeah. what's your personality? Thinking outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all right, yeah. the last question here is: um, someone comes up to you. They're tapping you on the shoulder. There's no more social distancing. The world's back to normal. Sweet. Maybe, you know, so uh, we're not afraid to shake hands, tap shoulders anymore. And they're saying, hey, you're Dr. Tracy. I've heard you before. Can I ask you a question? And yeah. he's asking you, what are three things I can do today to become a superhuman male entrepreneur? What are those three things? Read. Number one is, is read. Um, because there is so much knowledge right at our fingertips. And, uh, so having an open mind and reading would be huge. Um, I would say, ask, ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, surround yourself with genius, Mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who are smarter 
and more advanced than you so you can absorb from them. Don't ever give up. You know, my wife and I, we, we joke because um, when we were on a honeymoon, kind of a funny story, but this, this tells my personality. We went to Australia, New Zealand, uh, Australia and the South Island of New Zealand for our honeymoon. It was, it was an incredible trip. We were in uh, Wanaka, New Zealand, and they have this human-sized maze that you walk through. You have to find the four, there's castles at four corners of it. And you have to find your way out and you have an hour. And, and it's a tough maze that you have to walk through and find your way through and a bunch of people in there. And very, very cool thing. And, and mm-hmm. I knew before the trip that we were going to do this because I found it online. And we go to do it and we're 10 minutes in. So I was like, yeah, let's just quit. Let's just go, go get a drink. And there's an exit door you can get out if you want to. I was like, hell no, we're not quitting. <laughs> we're not quitting. And 55 minutes later, we finished the damn maze. We got out of it in 55 minutes. But that was just kind of a, a funny moment that we look back on because my wife is fine. Just, yeah, we'll just stop now. It's no big deal. Who cares? I don't freaking quit. I like that. And so the, the recommendation to that entrepreneur is don't ever, ever, ever freaking quit. It's the persistence. It's the, it's the drive that's going to get you there. Um, just don't ever quit. Reminds me of one of my favorite songs, Going the Distance. Going the yes. Distance. Yeah, yeah you, you go the distance. Yeah. So that is awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, sure. Where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, thanks. Yeah, my website's uh, drtracygappin.com. And um, I have my book is on the website. Uh, if your listeners are welcome to get a free copy of that at drtracygappin.com forward slash limitless. Mm-hmm. Uh, free book, just cover shipping. And uh, check it out. Awesome to hear. And I will have links to all of that he just mentioned and plus much more. Definitely keep up with him. He's a, he's a treasure trove of knowledge. He teaches me something every time I talk to him. So thank you, Dr. Tracy, again, man. Hey, man. Always a good time, Julian. Great time. All right. And everyone else, stay awesome. Continue to be limitless. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I hope this episode made you at least 1% better in your life. And if it did, then mission accomplished. If you're a new listener here, welcome. I hope we made a good first impression. If you are a regular listener, thank you so much for tuning in again. It means the world to me that you're hanging out with me out of the millions of podcasts that you have to choose from. So with that said, I'm also recording this. Um, I was thinking this weekend that music's a very big part of my life and uh, music brings me joy. And I look around the world now, sometimes I get on social media and I see a bunch of people bickering at each other. So what I want to do is we're going to start a new segment at the end of every episode here, just to raise the vibration up even more to send you off on a high note. I'm going to share a song that I'm currently digging and uh, Sometimes it's jazz, sometimes it's R&B, sometimes it's hip-hop, and sometimes, like today, it's going to be salsa. I love salsa. Salsa has changed my life. I'm not the best yet, but eventually I will be a lethal weapon on that dance floor. So enjoy the song, get up and dance, and have an awesome day. Stay awesome and be limitless. Peace. Mi salsa ahora, mi salsa para